0: Before we start our little worship service here, let um, say a prayer. Uh, a lot of us are in battle every day and we have a lot of spiritual warfare going on. Let's, let's pray about some spiritual warfare. Please bow your heads. Almighty God, we thank you for the victory the Lord Jesus Christ won on the cross over Satan. We want to live in the power of the vic- that victory today. Advance the cause of good. Restrain the the forces that oppose your purpose. May we constantly remember that the victory over the world, the flesh and the devil, has already you yourself continually be our vision, that we may trust in you fully to see us through not depending on our own strength. May we stand firm in all our spiritual resources. May our minds be set on you and your grace May your righteousness be fully assured in Christ, and may we be ready to serve you as we live and speak for you, constantly taking in your word and praying to you. We do not want to lead lives that are constantly defeated. Your word declares that we are more than conquerors. Through Christ, and we pray for that to become true in our own lives, even now. We pray, too, for our wider community and the nation's and our nation, that you will release the unlimited power of Christ over spiritual forces that are presented, that are at present bind people. That you will right now turn around situations we currently consider hopeless. Demonstrate that you are Lord of all the world. Drive back areas of darkness, being being healing there, where there is sickness and disease. May we all become strong and remain strong in you and your power. We pray all these things on the basis of the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's hear hear God's call of you to worship his word. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Please bow your head and listen to this praise to God. O Lord, God Almighty, you are the creator and governor of the world and you have abundantly provided for the various wants of your creatures. You have ordered the day and the night to succeed each other. And when you have refreshed man with sleep, Require him to pursue his work until the evening. You have also ordained that he shall be born to trouble, and have appointed that grave to be the end of all living. We thank you that, while you have thus placed our lot in this life, you have not left us without hope in that the world which is to come. We adore you for the gift of Jesus Christ, your Son, by whose gospel life and immortality are brought to light. And we are fully instructed in all those things which concern our our salvation. We bless you for the pardon of sin. Through faith in the Redeemer, for the guidance of your providence and for the consolation of your spirit. We thank you for your holy Sabbath, for your written word, and for all the other means of grace which you have entrusted to us. Amen. Hear God's law and His will for your life. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this, his love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Bow your head and confess our sins to God. O Almighty and merciful Father, you pour your benefits upon us. Forgive the unthankfulness in which we have requited your goodness. We have remained before you with dead and senseless hearts, unkindled with love of your gentle and enduring goodness. Turn us, O merciful Father, and so shall we be turned. Make us with our whole heart to hunger and thirst after you, and with all our longing to desire you. Amen. Receive these words of comfort from God. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They're washed of their robes. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Confess what you believe about the Christmas, the Christian faith. Citing the Apostles Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, for there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, today, as we know, we're going to talk about the most wonderful man who ever lived, Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible tells us uh, of a lot of wonderful men. But today, I want to tell you about the most wonderful man in the world and that the world has ever seen. In fact, he is so wonderful That it is sinful to put any other man near his level. The great prophet Isaiah lived around uh, 740 BC. And in speaking of this man, he said, his name shall be called Wonderful. We know that he was speaking divine inspiration about none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He is wonderful in every way. We think of Moses and the most wonderful man of the Old Testament. We think of David as a wonderful man, a man after God's own heart. We think of John the Baptist as a man baptizing in the river of Jordan and preparing the way for Christ. We think of Paul as a wonderful man, preaching and serving our Lord for 30 years and dying for him. We think of Washington and Lincoln and Lee as great men. We think of Washington, uh, uh, but when we put all their virtues together, comparing them with Christ, it's like comparing a tiny candle to a blazing sun. Let's look at some of the glories of the wonderful God-man. He was wonderful even in his conception and birth. There has never been a birth like his in this tiny little village in Nazareth, lived a virgin by the name of Mary. On the divine side, her heart was filled with God, and on the human side, her heart was filled with Joseph, to whom she was engaged. One day, as she worshiped God, a bright light shone on her, and she looked up. And she saw the angel, Gabriel, standing nearby. She, of course, uh, was frightened by the angel and said, fear not, Mary. Check it out. You have found favor with God and you are going to have a son. He will be he will be called the Son of the Most High God. How can that be? she asked in a trembling voice, since I have no physical relations with any man. Never mind that, said Gabriel, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and and speak uh, the babe into being. And she bowed her head and said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to thy word. Did you ever hear such beautiful words? Let it be according to thy word. What beautiful and wonderful trust. She simply said, I don't understand all this. I know it won't be easy for me. Shame and disgrace may come and people will not understand, but I'm willing to do this for God and do as God says. A little while later, the secret was revealed to Joseph and God told him go ahead and marry her, which he did. But the Bible plainly tells us that there were no marital relations between them until after Jesus was born. When her time came, uh, we see Mary and Joseph going into a little town of Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the end, so they found lodging in a stable where the baby Jesus was born. Suddenly, an angel appeared to some of the shepherds out on the hill and proclaimed, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Then a band of angels burst out of heaven, singing, Glory to God in the highest, and peace in earth, peace, goodwill toward men. When a royal child is born, great celebrations are held. When Jesus is born, the heavens opened up, and the heavenly hosts filled the sky, praising God. Surely the celestial choir sang the sweetest music ever heard, ever heard. What a day that was. History divides his birth BC on one side of the manger, AD on the other side. No other child was born without a human father. None. God was his father and Mary his mother. He was wonderful in his conception and birth. Up in heaven Jesus rested on the bosom of his father without a mother. Down on earth he rested on the bosom of his mother without a human father. He was wonderful in this person. He was God. He was man. He had a divine father and a human mother. The two natures were perfectly blended in him. As God, he is our savior and mediator, our attorney at the bar of heaven. As man, he is our friend, sympathizing with us in every sorrow. In his divine nature, he touched heaven and earth. In his nature, he touched the cradle and the grave. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, God with us. For many years, uh, men had sought God. They grasped for him in the darkness. They had cried out, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. John chapter 14, verse 8. And when Jesus came, he said, Do you want to see God? Then look at me. I am God uncovered. I am God in the flesh. The Father and I are one. He who has seen me has seen the Father. Now since we know Jesus, we know what God is like. Jesus was sinless, and so God is completely holy. Jesus was loving, and so God is purest love. Jesus was just, as God is altogether righteous. Jesus was compassionate and simply cares. Yeah, look at Jesus. He was a wonderful person in his person. He was wonderful in his influence. Shakespeare said, there is nothing in a name. Yeah, there is. The name of Washington means something to America. The name of Gladstone means something to England. The name of Lafayette means something to France. But the name of Jesus stirs every fiber of the Christian soul. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in mine ear, the sweetest name on earth. You may have a good memory, but uh, you may often forget a name. Can you imagine a Christian forgetting the name of Jesus? It is indeed the name above every name. We list the name as babes. We confess the name in childhood. We, we name in our youth. We are sustained in that name in middle age. We are comforted by that name when uh, when the shadows gather around us and we know the end is, uh, and the end of life is near. An unbeliever once asked a Christian, What is your carpenter doing today? And the answer came He's making a coffee in which to bury the enemies of the cross. Ever since he cried out, it is finished. His influences have been spreading the world. Every song, every sermon, every tract, every church ever built, every soul ever won, is spreading his influence. For he must reign till he hath put all the enemies under his feet. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty five, the historian abbot said. The Caesars perished, and their places and their palaces are in ashes. The the empire of the Charlemagne rose in majesty and set forever. Napoleon marshaled his forces and and brought Europe to its knees, but he soon went down. But the kingdom of Christ has survived all the wrecks of these empires. Aren't you glad uh, that you belong to the kingdom that uh, will never fall or fail? God was wonderful, Jesus was wonderful in his power. Saw a funeral procession moving toward a cemetery. Uh, A widow was weeping over the loss of her only son. Then Jesus met the procession and brought life to the boy. He turned the tears of grief into hallelujahs of joy. One of his friends of Bethany died. The two sisters of the dead man had sent uh, for Jesus earlier. He's the one we must always send for when our sorrows come. If you had been here, one of the sisters said, he would not have died. Oh, how great was her faith. Then we heard Jesus saying, roll away the stone. Then we heard him cry with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who was four days rose from the grave And restored to his sisters. Yeah, Jesus was and is wonderful in his power. One night the disciples were on a ship crossing the sea when a uh, big storm came up. They thought uh, they would go down at any moment. But Jesus was sleeping soundly in the stern of the ship. They woke him and said with with great fear, Master, caress thou not that we perish. Mark 4 verse twenty-eight. And. He stood up and rebuked the storm. And soon the sea was as calm as a baby on its mother's bosom. Once it seemed that Alexander the Great had all the power, but he failed and died of a broken heart. Then came Caesar and Napoleon. Yet in the century of, uh, of the Kaiser and Hitler. But they all failed. They all lost their power. Jesus said, I have all the power in heaven and earth. There is no power greater than that. Today, as we look at the world, it seems uh, headed for uh, destruction. Especially our country in America. This person who's supposedly at the helm. But in due time, Jesus will step in and he'll take over. His power today breaks the fetters of sin. The devil forges some heavy links around his devotees, but Christ has the power to break every one of them. He has the power to drive every demon out. Though all is dark within the soul, if we come to him, he will say, let there be light. Jesus is wonderful in his love. This man in prison painted a cross on the wall. And at the four points of the cross, he painted the words Blank, Loretta, in depth. Who can measure the love of Christ, for it's measured only when we look at the cross? There was a seminary group I held a service in a downtown mission. During that testimony, uh, uh, during a testimony that uh, a man stood up and said, I spent 22 years in prison. My hands have been stained with human blood, but Christ has saved and redeemed even me. It takes a divine love and great power to do that, but his love reaches down to into the deepest dyed sinner. Saul, the chief of sinners, became Paul, the chief of the saints. John Bunyan, think about him, the profane tinker, became the man who wrote The Pilgrim's Progress A book that crawled through prisons, bars, and turned uh, many souls to Christ. Yeah, oh, uh, the love of Christ for lost sinners is so high, so deep, so broad, so long, that it reaches down to men in their sin and lifts them up to God. Christ was wonderful in his death. His death has uh, been talked about and thought about and sung about and preached about more than any other death in the world. Open up any hymn book. You'll find many songs about Calvary and the cross. Go to the right kind of church and listen to the preacher, and you will notice that he centers his message around the cross. I wish I could describe his death until everyone felt agony of it. I wish I could make you feel the nails piercing your own hands and feet. I wish I could make you feel the blood coming forth from your own veins, the burning thirst, the broiling sun. Then we could appreciate more than ever how he suffered the anguish of hell for us. When an awful agony of Gethsemane had passed, it came out to not his own will, but the will of his Father in heaven. Judas, who had been with Jesus and heard his sweet voice and felt his gentle spirit, stepped up and planted the kiss of betrayal on his cheek. Immediately he surrendered to the mob. And in the blackness of that night, they marched up the street. They rushed him from one illegal trial to another. They struck him. They spat in his face. They crowned him with crimes. Thorns, then we read, they led him away to be crucified. Now began this awful journey to Calvin. As the crowds taunted and jeered him, his face was white except for the bloodstains. He staggered under the load of the heavy cross until at last he fell, fainting to the ground. Being whipped. All was confusion for a moment. A soldier kicked him, but he could not carry the cross any farther. Weakened, he, he was weakened by the indigenes, indigenes of the long night. Simon was compelled to carry the cross, and the procession moved on. Soon they reached the hill of uh, Golgotha. The cross was laid on the ground. And then the torture even begins even more. And the soldier seized him and he stretched him his warm body on these cool wood. Now you're talking wood, that's not sanded down. We're talking splinters. We're talking all these things again. The ringing blows of the hammer sounded out as they drove these great nails to his hands and feet. And these soldiers then lifted the cross, and it fell in a dull thud in the hole prepared. He was hanging between heaven and earth. Oh, Jesus, Savior, there was no room for you in the end. When you were born, the world never had any room for you. But at last, there was room for you on the cross. From parched lips, he cried out, I thirst. I thirst. He was handed a medicated drink, but uh, as he wanted to die with all of his senses about him, he refused to drink it. He was still thirsty. He was thirsty for our love and service. He suffered in body. It's true. But he suffered more in his spirit, his soul, for the father was hiding his face from him, all because he was bearing our sin upon that tree. His cry, my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me, was enough to send an icy blast through the corridors of heaven. When President McKinley was assassinated, there was a pause of five minutes all over the country during his funeral. Train stopped, streetcars ceased to roll, machinery was stilled, while everyone bowed their heads. Do you see that anymore today? No. But look at the strange demonstrations of nature when Jesus died. The sun refused to shine, an earthquake tore the rocks, the veil at the temple was rent in two, and some of the dead rose out of their graves. No wonder the sun refused to shine. For the one who made it was dying. No wonder the veil of the temple was rented. The last, the last great sacrifice had been made and the way to God was now opened. No wonder the rocks were split. The rock of ages were being cleft. No wonder the dead rose. The one who was dying was going to conquer death. Now we hear the cry. It is finished. Jesus is dead now. It's all over. Back to your nets, you fishermen. Back to your tax office, Matthew. Weep, gentle John. Your head has lost its pillow. Weep, Mother Mary. Your son is dead and the sword has pierced your heart. Oh, Jesus was wonderful in his death. What does it all mean? For the sinner, it means that he has a savior. For the mourner, it means comfort. For the slave, it means freedom. For the tired, it means rest. For the friendless, it means a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yeah? Until the stars cease to shine, until the seas cease to roll, until the wind ceases to blow, until the heart ceases to long for the life that satisfies the death of Jesus will go on to bless the sin-cursed world. He's wonderful in his resurrection and ascension. When he died, the crowd gradually drifted away and soon Calvary was designed. but Joseph, the rich man and Nicodemus, the seeker came to Pilate and asked for the privilege of burying Jesus. Yeah, we can forgive these men for not coming out boldly before the side of Christ, for now they proved to be heroes at the cross. They climb up and gently lower his body down, and they bury away to a garden tomb. Three heartbreaking days go by, and then comes a cloudless Sunday morning. The stone rolls back and a life surges into the form of the Savior. He steps forth, alive forevermore. Death could not hold the Prince of Life. The great men of the earth die and death holds them. But our Lord, our leader, He's alive. He stays here for 40 days after his resurrection. Appearing several times to his disciples and others. And on a certain day, he went up onto a mountain where his disciples and uh, with his disciples. and, And after giving them a great commission, he was taken up into heaven on a cloud cloud that word all the way while they stood there in a open mouth amazement just looking up at Jesus you know, riding the cloud up and if we but listen we can hear the angel saying lift up your heads O ye gates and ye and be ye lift up ye everlasting doors the kingdom glory shall come in psalms 24 verse 7 He goes in the gates, welcomed by all the hosts of heaven, and takes his place at the right hand of the Father. But one glorious day he is coming back. As his disciples stood on the mountain after he had disappeared, two heavenly figures in white appeared before them and said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come, in like the manner as ye have seen him go into him. Acts chapter 1 verse 11. The wonderful thing that we're looking forward to today is coming again of this wonderful Savior. When he comes in the air, he will take every believer up with him. Those who have died in the faith and those who are still living. On the way up to be with him. We will be changed into his own glorious likeness. After that time with him, considered by some Bible scholars to be seven years, we return to earth with him. Satan will be bound, and we will enjoy a thousand years of peace, plenty, prosperity, and health in his presence. After that time, the unsaved dead will be resurrected. And all lost people will appear before the great white throne of judgment and their punishment for all eternity determined. Then the eternal ages will begin with all of the Lord's people in heaven with him and all of Satan's followers in the lake of fire with him. The question is now, is this? Is this wonderful Savior yours? Have you led him into your heart? Are you walking with him? Are you faithful to him and his church for life, for joy, for work, for play, for sorrow, for death, and the judgment? Is this a wonderful Savior yours? When a certain infidel lay dying, another unbeliever said to him, Hold on, hold on. And the poor dying man cried, I have nothing to hold on to. Do you have a Savior to hold on to? and who will hold on to you. I remember a while back when I worked on a safety committee near Baltimore. I remember going by John Hopkins Hospital near Baltimore. And I stopped there to see this great statue of Christ in the center of the rotunda. There he stands with outstretched hands, and the inscription on the base read, Come unto me, and all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, one day a man came into the rotunda and viewed the statue critically from the one side, and a little girl said to him, Mister, you can't see it good that way, but come here in front and kneel down and look into his face and you'll learn to love so, folks, today I invite you not to look at a cold statue, but to look into the face of the living Lord and Savior. Look to him in repentance and faith and hope. Take his hand and walk down the highway of life with him. Then, at last, you'll be with him on the streets of glory, never to leave the most wonderful man who ever lived. As you listen to these words, ask God to enlighten your heart and mind. Almighty, gracious Father, since our whole salvation depends on our true understanding of your holy word, grant that our hearts freed from worldly affairs, may hear and understand your holy word with all diligence and faith, so that we may rightly discern your gracious will, cherish it. And live by it with all earnestness to your praise and honor through our lord jesus christ amen let's bow our heads and make our request to god our lord our savior you have warned us that you will require much of those to whom much is given grant that we whose lot is cast as so goodly a heritage may strive together, the more abundantly to extend to others what we so richly enjoyed as we have entered into the labors of other people, so to labor that in their return other people may enter into ours to that fulfillment of your holy will. Amen. Let's further petition. In your own personal prayer to our Lord Jesus Christ, take a few minutes. As we're in closing, let's pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for uh, joining me here or listening to this podcast uh, episode of uh, Worship with a Templar Knight. May God continue to hold you in his arms and bless you. Have a good evening.